0: ever said this I'm not sure I would have made it through without them <laughs> I just don't know if I would have ever made it through that without them anybody ever been there? oh come on right I just don't know if I'd have made it through without them or or maybe this one um I, I, I'm not, oh, come on, I think I have it. Uh, I would not be where I am today without them. Anybody? I, there's no way. I would not be where I am today without them. If it wasn't for him, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I would be today. Anybody? Right? I, I don't know where I'd be. I, I, I mean, life would be drastically different. Who was the them in your life? Who was the him or the her? Was it a person? Was it a group of people? that God sent at just the right time, that God used in my life, and I don't know where I'd be today. You know, obviously for me, my first thought was, I don't know where I would be today without my mom and dad. And some are like, duh, he wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for mom and dad, right? No. No, aside from that, their, their love for Jesus and they're dragging me back to Jesus, their persistence is why I'm doing what I do today. God used them in my life when they thought, I just want to kill him. I'm just gonna kill him. Tell God he died. You know, he ran away. Tell the neighbors he ran away. Uh, I, I mean, come on, anybody? You know? I, I, I mean, there are so many people. I think about some of the pastors that God dropped into my life at just the right time. You know? It's really why I am where I am in a big way. Is it was the right people... At the right time, those like Brother Billy, I quote him all the time. God brought him into my life at a very specific time, you know, to encourage me, to push me forward. I think about Gary and Tammy. Most of you have never met them. But literally the last 18 years since before the church started, they were coaching us walking with us, and they still do today. They still coach us and walk with us through all the different seasons of this life, of this thing called the crossing, and it has been such an amazing thing, you know? I've said this before, I haven't said it in a long time, and uh, I I often, (laughs) I used to say, uh, that if, but I don't think I'm actually gonna have a headstone when I die. Um, and you're like, "Well, that's kind of morbid." No, I just want y'all to party and blow things up. And there he was. All right. So, um, anyway, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> y'all gonna have to help my wife if I go first. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but. But I used to say on my, on my and I, I believe this, I, I mean this, that on my tombstone, <laughs> I want it to say, not he was a great man or anything, I want it to say that he was a turtle on a fence post. That's what my epitaph, I, that's what I want it to be. He was a turtle on a fence post. You're like, you are nuts. Uh, Here's why. If you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know he did not get there by himself. Am I right? (laughs) If there's anything good right here, it's Jesus and somebody else helping me. Come on. Right? I didn't do it by myself. Hey, no, no way. No way. And when I think about the people that God brought into my life, obviously I think probably right next to Jesus has to be Susan, my wife. You know? There's no doubt without her I would, I would still be loving Jesus. I'd be loving Jesus because I loved Jesus before I loved her. I have no doubt that I'd still be loving Jesus. I'd still be working hard. But I would definitely be living in a van down by the river. <laughs> in really stinky clothes and no electricity. <laughs> Come on. Some of you guys, you can say amen. Amen. It's true. I don't say that jokingly. For, for 36 years... She has encouraged me on in my faith. She's walked with me and pushed me, and she would see me down and go, No, I see the Spirit of God in you. Get back up. Come on. Come on. I think about those amazing people, and I want you to to think about this who are those people? That brought insight into your life, into your walk of faith, encouragement, that helped bring perspective, that helped bring hope when things were not looking good. Does anybody come to mind? Think about it. Who is it? And then the question is, have you ever thanked them? (laughs) Well, welcome to our series on faith. We are in the middle of digging out some key elements, some key ingredients to growing and living out our faith. Our, our, our faith, it's not just a belief in our heads, it's much, much more. Amen? That's right. Remember, we talked about this, that, that Jesus did not ask us to just believe in him. He asked us to what? Okay, come on, y'all got to do better than that. He asked us to what? Follow. Everybody say, follow him. Follow him and follow. Believe in me is a lot easier than follow me. Right? Matter of fact, I can believe and change nothing. Nothing ever. I can believe and nothing change. But when I follow him, things change. Do you all believe that? See, he desired for his followers to be men and women of great Faith, remember, that's what amazed him was great faith. And what amazed him was the lack of faith, right? Both of those things. We looked at that. He desires for us to be people, men and women, of what kind of faith? Great Great faith. Unshakable faith. Where the rubber meets the road, everyday life, faith. Come on, right? That's what he desires, It is Jesus' invitation was, walk with me. And as you walk with me, you're going to get to know me. And the more you get to know me, the more you're going to trust me. And that's faith. Faith is trust in. Remember, it's believing with your head, but hanging on, literally hanging on with both hands like your life Depends on it, right? That's trust. That's faith. He said, walk with me. Follow me. And if you follow me and trust me in the mundane, everyday, little things of life, you're going to be building your house. If you do what I said, what I taught, you're going to be building your house on the rock, right? When the storm comes... Your faith's solid. It is solid. It is good. And based on all of the biblical stories and all of the stories of those that I know, even in this room, of their walk of faith, there's some ingredients that we have decided really are, and there's a lot more than this. This is only part of them. But but they are key ingredients in walking out and living and growing and building Faith, not just belief, but faith, doing something with it. And we've said that one of those, matter of fact, you can grab your notes if you haven't already. We've said one of those ingredients is practical teaching of the Word of God, right? It's where the Word of God comes to life in such a way that it causes us to step out in our faith. It causes some action to happen, amen, Amen. that it's the word of God taught in a practical, here's a step, take this, because that's what Jesus said, Jesus said, do these things I've taught you, (laughs) and you're going to have a solid foundation of faith, isn't that what he said, the end of the sermon on the mount, that's what he said, we looked at that, you know, and so, so it is practical teaching of the Word of God that I can grab hold of, run with, do something with. And then we said last week, the thing, oh, right, write this down. This is just a recap. When our active faith intersects with God's faithfulness, our faith does what? Grows. Remember, it's the, huh, I don't know if I have enough faith, but I'm going to step out anyway. Come on, because how many of you know at that moment we feel very inadequate? Come on, at that moment we're like, oh, I trust you God, I don't know what the outcome's going to be, but I trust you. And when we step out, <laughs> it's after we step out or when we step out <laughs> that God intersects And his faithfulness and our faith meet. And afterwards we go, that was awesome. And our faith, what? It grows. It grows. All right? Then we said another thing that really grows our faith uh, is, is personal ministry. Right? We talked about this last week. It's personal ministry. It's when I personally invest myself in giving myself to other people on God's behalf. Does that make sense? When I step out, God will meet me there as I serve kids, as I rock babies, as I lead a circle, as I serve in the community. I feel very unqualified. I don't know the Bible, but I'm going to trust you, Jesus. Come on. And I take a step, and I'm not falling yet. So I'm going to take another step because he meets us there. It's in our, I didn't even share this last week, but the scripture says, it's in our inadequacies. It's in our weaknesses that he shows up strong. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Oh, they're so, so good. Just, just, yeah. It's when we we may feel unqualified, but we step out. God meets us and we look back and go, Wow, God used me in that person's life. God used me with kids. God used me, and it was amazing. I want to say this. Some of you may still need to respond to last week. Maybe you've hesitated. Go ahead. But I'm going to tell you, the response for last week, you blew my wife's phone up, and thank you. Thank you. It was so, so good. Matter of fact, we had such a big response. Don't think we forgot about you. We're still sorting through them. All right? People saying, I want to serve here. I want to serve here. I want to give. I want to take a step of faith and serving in the community, serving in this ministry, serving. And matter of fact, I had a couple of, uh, and, and I guess I should have thought about this. I don't think about this stuff, but there was a couple of the uh, uh, nonprofits that I listed last week that I didn't tell them I was putting their name up there. And some of you showed up and went, I'm here. <laughs> and they're like, So why are you here? You're like, well, I'm here to serve. (laughs) You know, they were not prepared, so I apologize for that, all right? But thank you for your response. It was beautiful, and I can't wait to see what God does. Amen? How he grows your faith and grows the community as we physically put our faith into action. Because faith without works is what? That's right. It is dead. It is worth less. It's just head knowledge and nothing more. So today, we're going to talk about the third thing. Are you all ready? Now, on the surface, some of you are going to blow this off and go, oh, this is so lame. But this is big, all right? And it is what we're going to call today providential relationships. Now, I know that's a big word. Um. And I had to look it up. No, not really. All right. Um, but it's providential relationships. Maybe you want to say it like, like this it's God given relationships. God given, it's providence, it's God's hand. In the middle of it. Or maybe some of you, you may grow up in a culture where you might call it divine appointments. Anybody ever experience that? It was like a divine appointment. It was like God brought them at exactly the right time. Anybody ever experienced that? Oh, come on. You ever experienced that? You know? Where it was a God thing. You know what happens? In providential relationships, God-given relationships, those divine appointments, it grows your faith. Come on. It grows your faith. It really is a big part of what grows your faith. Matter of fact, almost every story that I know... Even in the New Testament, of people's faith, there is an element of it where it was like, then I met him. Then I met her. Then my neighbor, maybe this isn't New Testament stuff, but then my neighbor invited me to church. Church. Then this couple invited me to a circle, and that sounded weird, and I didn't even know what a circle was. Come on, right? There's an element of, then those people showed up at my house and cleaned my yard, and it gave me hope when I was out of hope. Come on. I don't know where I would be. Just them raking my leaves gave me hope. It said that God sees me. Are y'all hearing me? It was a divine appointment, a providential relationship. It really was. It was a God. Looking back, here's what's interesting. So often... God drops those people in our world, and we don't even recognize that it's a God thing until later. Anybody besides me? And then you look back and go, oh, my, that was a God thing, right? It was exactly the right time, the right person, you know, that God, it was like this divine appointment or for some of us, It may have been a a divine intervention. You know? They came to my house and I knew what they wanted to talk about. But I didn't want to talk about it. But they made me talk about it anyway. (laughs) And it was a divine, providential hand of God in my life. Amen? (laughs) I don't know where I would be without them, without that divine intervention, without them hearing from God on my behalf. Um, and, and then the, and there's many of us in the room that you've actually been on both sides of that, you know? Where you look back and God put people in your life at just the right time. Anybody? Right? God put somebody in your life? Okay, more than For anybody else, God put somebody in your life at just the right time. And they were very instrumental in why you're walking in faith today. But also, there are many in this room that God used you in somebody else's life. And you probably don't even know it. You know? You don't even realize it. You just were there. You just prayed for them. You just, you know, encouraged them. You just offered hope and then walked away. And you had no idea (laughs) that they're walking with Jesus today because of you. Their faith grew by the way God used you. Right? Hmm. And let's face it. Defining moments in our lives like that and in other people's lives almost always have people connected to it. (laughs) Let's let's just think about this. (laughs) Some of us have said, oh, I am so glad I got to meet them. Or, oh, I wish I had never met them. (laughs) Right? Right? Y'all know that works both ways, right? You know? Like, oh man, that was a train wreck. You know? I, I mean, I get it. I, I, I get it. Um, so God, it, it wouldn't surprise, it shouldn't surprise us that God uses relationships to grow up and blow up our faith. Think about that. God uses relationships to grow up and blow up our, our faith. He does. He uses those around us and or those that just step into our lives. Um, and, and it shouldn't surprise us because isn't that kind of what Christianity is? <laughs> God of the universe sent His Son, To be like us, to be with us, to be in a relationship with us, to redeem us, change us. Isn't that right? It's all relationship driven. Every bit of it is relationship driven. So it shouldn't surprise us that God will and desires to use people in our lives to help grow solid rock faith. Right? I mean, that's kind of the way it, it works. And what happens is, you know, you see it all through the scripture. God, God uses, or, or, or Jesus in relationship with somebody. And that person goes and reaches out to somebody else. And they dragged them to Jesus, and the movement, the Jesus revolution, right, in the first century grew by other people who met Jesus, grabbing other people to meet Jesus. And faith became contagious. Are y'all hearing me? By the power of the Holy Spirit Faith became contagious, and the scripture says in two years, they turned the known world upside down for the gospel. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Yeah. You know? So, so cool. Pretty cool stuff. So, one of my favorite accounts of this in the scripture, of what I'm talking about, Is uh, Jesus comes to a young man named Philip and uh, he says, Hey, Philip, follow me. And Philip says, Okay, but wait just a minute. (laughs) Now you got to think from Jesus' perspective, you know? Come follow me. And Philip says, Okay, I'll be. Right back, and Philip takes off, and he goes and runs to a friend of his named Nathaniel, right? And, and Nathaniel is just a buddy, somebody that Philip knows, and uh, Philip runs up to Nathaniel and goes, Hey, Nathaniel, I met the Messiah. I met the Messiah, and Nathaniel's like, No, you didn't. You, you didn't meet the Messiah. We have been waiting for the Messiah for hundreds and hundreds of years. You did not meet the Messiah. Philip's like, Yes, I met the Messiah. I met the Messiah. You got to come meet him. You got to come meet. And Daniel's like, No, you didn't meet the Messiah. What, who is it? And Philip's like, Well, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And, and Philip's re- or Nathaniel's response is is anything good come from Nazareth? <laughs> it's like I I really don't think, you know, that's kind of that part of the county. <laughs> come on. It's kind of the Nazareth, no. Nothing good going to come from Nazareth. You, you, Jesus of Nazareth, not the Messiah. Not. Nathaniel was not interested. He just wasn't interested. Like, no, no. But, but Philip, had he been like us, <laughs> I, I say us being me, I'm pointing the fingers, all of them right here. But had Philip been like us, Philip would have said, you know what, fine, fine. You don't want to meet Messiah, that's fine. You just stay here in your little world, in your little insignificant life, and I'm going to go with the Messiah, and we're going to go change the world. You just, just forget it. I gave you a chance. Come on. I gave you a chance. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. But I love this because Philip didn't argue with Nathaniel. He didn't debate theology. Hear me? He didn't debate theology. He didn't talk religion. He didn't say, yeah, but Messiah is supposed to come through and all of it. Philip didn't argue with him. Matter of fact, what Philip said was so Good, and it's so good for us today. Look at this. Nazareth, nothing good can come from Nazareth. And then he said, come and see. Everybody say that with me. Ready? Go. Come and see. Not everybody did it. One more time. All right, ready? Come and see. He didn't argue with him. He didn't debate Theology, I love the, um, the, the uh, NLT says, come and see for yourself. Just come and see for yourself. I, I, I don't know. I think he's Messiah. I think he's the one we've been looking for. I think he's the answer to all that we have studied, all of our lives. But you, just come and see for yourself. Just, yeah, just come and see. Just come and see. I I believe there are people in your life that God has put there For you to be the Philip, that you just say, I know you got a lot of hurts, I know you got a lot of baggage, but just come and see. You see for yourself. Come on, right? I don't know. I may not have all the answers, but you come and see. Hmm. Just come and see. I, I think about this. I bet, because Nathaniel went to see Jesus, and he met Jesus, and it changed his life. He became a follower of Jesus. And, and can you imagine the rest of his life following Jesus, you know, through Jesus' remainder of Jesus' life on earth, how many times over that next few years... And probably for the rest of Nathaniel's life, he thanked God that Philip invited him to come and see. Can you imagine? Jesus performs some great miracle, and Thanael looks over to Philip and goes, Thank you, because that's cool. Thank you for inviting me. I would have missed that. Come on, right? It's so cool. It is so, so cool. Thank you for inviting me. I have so many of those stories. It was difficult for me to not just share my life, my whole life with you about those that have been strategic in helping to put a solid foundation in my life. Those people that God used that inspired me, that helped me grow. I think about one man. I was, a ju- I was a junior and senior in high school. And a man, some of you will know him, some of you won't. He passed away not that long ago. But his name was Orville Heath, Mr. Heath. He pastored a little church right by my house now where I live. He pastored there, I guess, 50 years. I don't even know. But he, uh, when I was a junior and senior in high school, he taught me, he took an interest in me, and he would sit down with me once or twice a week, and it's him teaching me to trust, to have faith in the Word of God. Just trust the scriptures. He would say that over and over and over. Just trust. Have faith that this is true. And it helped build a foundation of love for this word. A foundation of, yeah, I don't know, but come and see. Come on, just just come and see. I think about another guy that, uh, and many of you knew him, his name was Mark Lindsay. And uh, Mark was a young man, a little bit older than I, but a young man at the time that uh, struggled with uh, cancer, fought as a young, young man. Um, fought, fought cancer. and um, And I'm just going to say, I've never met a person on this planet that had more faith about God's ability to heal than Mark. I've never seen God use anybody to pray for people for healing like Mark. Mark literally... Months away from taking his last breath is praying for people and miraculously, God God is healing other people of cancer while Mark is praying for them in faith. I, I mean, it was one of the most amazing things. Hours before he took his last breath, he told me, I went to see him, he was in Tulsa, at the hospital there, and, and I, I went to see him, and, and he's like, Victor, don't worry. If I die, he's going to raise me up out of the grave alive. Had no doubt that that's what God was going to do. Not wavering like, God's got this. He taught me so much about The faith of praying for people, for healing and deliverance, just watching his life. He wasn't perfect. But man, God put him in my life at such a strategic time. You know, it was so good. So, so good. Hmm. So many different people that have inspired me in this faith walk, and growing faith. Here's the thing. We cannot orchestrate a divine appointment. We cannot orchestrate or make happen a providential relationship. Y'all know that's a God thing, right? That's a God thing. We cannot make that happen. But I want to say this, we can be very proactive in being in relationship with godly people who are walking in faith because we don't know when they may not be our divine appointment. Are y'all hearing me? If I had not been in relationship with people of faith, I would have missed Mr. Heath. I would have missed Mark Lindsay. Are y'all hearing me? And they were both divine appointments. Providential relationships in my life. And and that really is what the book of Hebrews talks about a whole lot. Um, The book of Hebrews, we don't really know for sure who wrote that book. Um, but, but we know that it's part of the inspired Word of God because it's congruent with all the rest of, of Scripture. And uh, the book of Hebrew is kind of an interesting book because um, the, the, the believers were going through incredible persecution. All right? Men and women of God were going through incredible persecution at that time in, in history. Um, and so the writer is encouraging them. He's encouraging he or she. Uh, they think it's a guy, pretty sure it's a guy. But, but he's saying, come on, don't give up. Don't give up. Just he is urging them on in their faith and giving them some tools on how to stay faithful in the middle of. Of trials and what's happening in the world around. And so we're gonna look at that a little bit. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Are you sure? Because this is good. All right. Look at look at this. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold, everybody say unswervingly. I love that word. Let us hold. Unswervingly. Or let us hold, in the King James, I believe it says, let us hold fast. Both hands. Come on, are y'all hearing me? Like your life depends on it. I love that. I love the word unswervingly. Unswervingly to the hope we profess. Who is the hope? He <laughs> Who promised is what? Faithful. We're going to hold on in faith. And his faithfulness is going to meet our faith. And we're going to be okay. Anybody? Right? Faith is going to grow. Unswervingly. Does somebody you know drive swervingly? (laughs) Don't. Don't point at them if they're in the room. Bad idea. Especially if you're married to them, you know. <laughs> you're like, yeah, every time I get in the car, it is a test of my faith right here, you know. All right. <laughs> that picture of unswervingly is literally saying the one that we profess that we have put our faith in, we say our faith is in Jesus. We say we trust Jesus. So point the wheel toward Jesus and just hang on. <laughs> don't, don't, don't swerve around. Don't be another place that says don't, don't be blown around by every wind. Are y'all hearing me? That's probably one of my biggest pet peeves in the body of Christ in America is that we get blown around by every little thing. Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my. And, and he's saying, you know what? There's a lot of oh mys around, around the people that this letter was written to. And he's like, nope, just hang on. Point it and hang on. Unswervingly. Because he's promised and he is, everybody say it, faithful. He has promised and he is faithful. Point it at your hope and then just hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hmm. So how are we going to hang on? He didn't just give him a pep talk and say, just hang on. Nope. He said, here's how you're going to hang on. The very next verse. And let us consider How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us, how are we gonna hang on in persecution and things are crazy? And how are we gonna let our faith grow in the middle of all that's gonna go? He says, well, just think about this. Just think about how you can spur each other on. Toward love and good works. I love that he used the word spur. little side note. You know, that, that, the, the spur rowl, you know, the spur used to be just a little point. I don't know. Look it up in history. It was a point. My name actually comes from the guy that invented it and turned it into a rowl. A round thing. A little spur on a boot. Come on. Y'all know what I'm, I know. We got cowboys in the room, right? No, we don't. No, I'm just kidding. All right. All right. But that, that little row, it's a spur. He's saying spur each, how do you spur on a horse? <laughs> you kick it in the butt. <laughs> I love it. The Bible says kick each other in the butt. Some of you are like, that don't sound churchy. It's not. But it is Bible. Y'all just read it, right? But here's the thing. When you spur a horse on, that's the reference he's using. When you spur the horse on, you don't kick it to hurt it. You would never kick it to hurt it. You kick it to keep it moving. Come on. You, you, you nudge it forward. You spur it, not hurt it. Come on. You spur it forward. God, he's, saying, he's saying, God is saying through the rider just think about how we might kick each other in the butt to keep moving. Isn't that cool? I get to kick you in the butt in Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? No. (laughs) And what's even better is you get to kick me in the butt in Jesus' name. Because he doesn't want us to get stuck in the middle of the hardship, the persecution, the junk. He wants us to be men and women of faith that just keep rolling. Come on. Just keep going. We're not going to get stuck. We're going to spur. So he's like, think about ways that you can spur each other on. Think about, it. just consider ways that you can spur each other on to love and to good deeds. How can you spur each other on? Love and good deeds. And the next thing he says, was actually when COVID hit in 2020. This next verse is the most tweeted, the most texted verse of Christians in 2020. Not giving up meeting together. <laughs> Every pastor on the planet got 20 of those, you know? As some are in the habit of doing. <laughs> don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop meeting together. And people would send me that. And I'm like, we ain't stopping. We shifting, but we ain't stopping. <laughs> Come on, right? Right? Are y'all, y'all hearing me? He's saying, don't, don't stop meeting together. As some are in the habit of doing. But what does it say? Encourage, everybody say encourage, spur one another on, encourage one another, and all the more encourage, be, encourage each other more and more and more as you de- see the day approaching. And we're not going to talk about the day, all right? It's just like, can I just tell you, we are closer to the day than when that was written. Come on. (laughs) So we need to be spurring each other on more and more and more and more. Are y'all hearing me? It's so true. Why would he say, don't stop meeting together? I know when you meet together, these people, they would meet together and die because they met together. Those believers... When he said, don't stop meeting like some, he's saying some are not meeting because they're tired of getting whipped. They're tired of getting beaten up for meeting together. They're tired of going to prison. So they've stopped meeting together. He's like, don't stop. I know it's going to cost. I know it's going to hurt. But don't stop. Don't stop meeting together. Together. Why did he say don't stop? And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to wrap this up quickly. Because when it comes to faith, proximity matters. When it comes to faith, proximity matters. He understood, the writer understood. God understands that matter of fact, people drift from their community of faith, before they drift from faith. Come on. Isn't that the truth? I don't, I've never met anybody that was walking in faith in Jesus, that was walking this life of faith, and read one thing. Or had one conversation with somebody, and boom, faith gone. I'm done with this church thing. I'm done with this Christian thing. I don't believe God is real anymore. That doesn't happen by one conversation. That, wasn't ha- that doesn't happen by one lecture. 99.9% of the time, it's because they drifted from the community of faith. And they were out there all by themselves, and the enemy said, now there's an easy target right there. Come on. Oh, come on. And the writer is saying, I know you're getting beaten for being together. I know you're going to prison. I know some of you are dying because you're meeting together. (laughs) But don't stop because you need each other for your faith to be strong. You need each other. Because if you get by yourself, the enemy is going to kick your tail. People don't normally just drift away from faith without drifting away from their community of faith. It just doesn't normally happen that way. It's just true. People say, well, I lost my faith, or they say, well, my my faith is not very strong, and it typically is when they lose connection with people of faith. It matters. You can be a Christian and not be around other Christians, but can I just tell you, (laughs) it's hard to walk in true, solid, unwavering faith all by yourself. It can happen, absolutely, but it's not the norm. It's really not. Matter of fact, write this down. When I isolate myself from other believers, my faith suffers. Come on. Some of you know it's true. You've lived it. You, know, you understand it because watching God work in other people's lives is one of the things God uses to grow up our faith, right, right? Watching God work in other people's lives helps us grow our faith. It really does. We realize I'm not an island. I'm not on my own. That's why relationships are so important. When, see we, when we see God's faithfulness to somebody else and with somebody else, doesn't it help us just hang on for ourselves that God is going to be faithful? He was faithful to them. He's going to be faithful to me. Come on. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, it's true. Our role, here's the thing. Our role in providential relationships, our role in divine appointment, look at somebody and say, stay connected. Come on. Staying connected is our part. It's our part. It really is. Being in connection with each other. God's going to use you as a providential, God-given voice into somebody else's life, and God's going to use them in your life. Can I get an amen? He's going to, it works both ways. That's the body of Christ. That's how it's supposed to work. You know, that's why we talk so much about getting a circle, getting a circle, getting a circle, getting a circle. This is good, and I love this, and I don't want to stop this, all right? I love it. But circles are important. They're life giving because God will use you in somebody else's life and He'll use them in your life. And you gotta be there. You gotta be connected. Are y'all hearing me? You gotta be connected. That's why we believe every student from sixth through 12th grade should be must be connected to refuge, youth ministry. Must. Why? Because faith grows. (laughs) It's a big part of our faith growth when we're around people of faith. And it works the same for 13 years old as it does for 30-year-olds. Are y'all hearing me? Come on. It does. It's as Important. It really is that we plug that we make sure our our students, our kids are connected with people of faith. It, it's huge. You know? So often parents bring them to me when they're like junior high and senior high and say, Hey Victor, can you fix them? And I'm like, No, I can't. God can. I can't, you know, and so often I want to be really, really facetious and say, I told you, (laughs) I told you, they need to be connected with people of faith, that's their age, walking together, they need to be connected with somebody a little bit older than them, the best advice I can give you if you have kids is when they're about 12 years old. You connect them to somebody that's 16 years old that is walking in faith. And you encourage that relationship. You go drop them off at their house, even if they don't want to. I'm telling you. You say, that's ludicrous. No, it's not. Can I just say, I believe my daughter's. Everyone watching that video earlier, all three of my girls love Jesus and are involved in personal ministry. All three of them. And it's not because Victor and Susan are great parents. It's not. It's because we intentionally fostered relationships with people older than them When they were 13 years old, we forced those relationships on them. We invited those other young ladies to our house. And they became friends because I knew as great of a parent as I am (laughs) that one day Victor is going to be an idiot. And he's not going to know anything. Come on. And who are they going to listen to then? Who's going to influence their lives then? Worship team, come on. So, here's the thing. Got a couple questions. And I know we are out of time. But think about this. Can you think of some, someone God providentially brought into your life at just the right time? And initially, think about it. Remember this. Did you resist... Their input. Think about it for a minute. Think of somebody. Who was the them, the him, the her, the them that God brought into your life Hmm. at just the right time? Did you push back? Did you welcome them? and, and, And think about why because I think that's an important question. That's why we put it on the handout so you'll take it home with you. Because the why is kind of important. Why would you resist or why did you embrace them? Because it helps us know how we can help other people walk with us. Does that, does that make sense? So I don't have time to get into that. And then, and then maybe this. Have you ever played that role in someone else's life? Maybe you even reluctantly stepped out for the intervention, for the conversation, I really don't think I'm qualified to pray for you, but I'm stepping out and God showed up. Come on. Have you ever played that role? If you haven't, can I just encourage you? Look for a spot because it'll grow your faith. When you walk away and go, God, you rocked their world and I got to be a part of it, that's cool. That's cool. And then the last one. Are the people whose stories shaped and strengthened your life of faith aware of the role they played in your life? Have you ever told them? Would you thank them this week? What would you think then? And then maybe for others, you need to make a commitment. Jack talked about this at Forge. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to stay connected. So God can use us, and so he can use the people of faith around us as divine appointments in our lives.